0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and you're very welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Owen Colgan. Hope you're keeping well. Thanks for joining me on the Owen Colgan Experience. This should be a bit of crack, but are you up to? It's very sunny outside. I know I always start off talking about the weather. And I'm constantly trying to figure out a way that I can attack this podcast from different angles. Well, you're in for a treat today because I'm going to be talking about quite a few different things, including my trip to Dublin, where I spent about two days in Dublin. I was up there for the final of the European Championships 2021, which is the 2020 finals. Italy defeated the English in the final to see who the top boys would be that can kick a ball in Europe. And the Italians did very well for themselves, fair play. England, they were so close. They were so close. And there was a tiny, tiny part of me that just wanted them to maybe, I don't know, did I want them to win it? But it was almost like I wanted them to kind of draw at least because I don't really like the Italian lads. I'm going to be honest, people won't like that. They'll say, well, you know what, you couldn't support the English. And I know that there's a lot of people that say you couldn't support the English for the final. That's what people were saying. And I get that, I do. But the Italians, I haven't forgiven them since the day Matarazzi, or whatever the fuck his name was, got Zinedine Zidane sent off in the final just so Italy would win. And I know it's all, it's like it's like the same boxing. Keep the hands up at all times. And you have to, you have to always be on guard, especially against the Italians, because they're cute cunts and they're great footballers. And I've been watching the Italians play football since... That TV show in the 90s, I don't know if you remember it, but you might be too old, too young to remember the show. But um, there was basically a show in the 90s where there'd be some lad, he'd be an English fella, and he'd be reading newspapers outside a shop in Italy. And he'd be talking about the football in Italy. And he'd be drinking a little, a little espresso coffee. And he'd be like, well, this week, Fiorentina are after winning 2-0 against Palma. And he'd be talking about these teams. You're like, I don't. I don't know where the fuck Barantine is. I don't even know if it's a place. It could be just a football team. It could be Parma. I don't know if Parma is a place. I think it is. Maybe that's where Parmesan cheese comes from. Anyways, it does not matter. The games were fairly terrible, but always the Italians had really good defense. They're really, really good defenders. But for this European Championships, they just they had the attack and s as well, and they looked like they could do it and they did do it so congrats to the Italians and uh, wish you all the best and I used to love the Italians ever since Fiali and uh, who else is there Giorginio or maybe Giorginio's Brazilian actually well anyways Fiali Ravinelli uh, Maldini Nesta Barese, Chris Sutton all the boys so congrats anyways to the Italian team for winning Um, I'm back in Mayo now though and the journey into Dublin was an interesting one to say the least because I'm coming from the countryside into the city. Now I'm sorry if you can hear there's a cock in the background. We have a cock outside in the field. It's a neighbour's cock but it's always cockadoodling these days for some reason. I don't know if you can hear that but it's just an absolute pain in the hole looking for attention. Anyways, I was in Dublin and it was the first time that I'd seen such a big group of people in one area in about two years and I'm not going to lie to you it was a bit scary going from not seeing so many people to now going into the heart of Dublin well maybe it's not the heart of Dublin but Temple Bar is where I suppose you could say the heart of the socialising or the pub drinking goes on in Dublin certainly it's a place for tourists if you've never been to Temple Bar you've got all these fancy pubs that serve drink and food and they have nice outdoor dining areas because a lot of that area is actually cobblestoned, so you don't really see that many cars on the place. I don't even know why I'm explaining this, but anyways, maybe you're like a Yank or maybe you're from Canada and you wanted to know. That's where most my cousin, when he comes back to Dublin, he goes straight to Temple Bar. And one day I was paying for a pint in Temple Bar, and it was about seven fifty for the pint, and I was really disgusted by that seven fifty for a pint. A bit much? And I went over to my cousin, and I was like, I'm after paying seven fifty for this pint of i don't know what it was i think it was cores and uh anyways my cousin's like yeah it's that's, that's what's wrong with that like he didn't really get that that was annoying that was an expensive price because in america they pay big big prices as well of course you know they have plenty of money over there in america but he goes dude you're paying for the experience and he was right because in that area even though it's a bit too expensive 750 for a pint is too much no matter what part of the world you're in, it's a ridiculous price. But that's not the same in all the other pubs. Plenty of pints for five euro. But Temple Bar area, anyways, is a small bit pricey. But it's doing well these days because it's got this open area that works perfectly. So they kind of have a head start in a lot of ways with the whole cobblestone area. But I landed into there anyways and it was just an absolute crossroads of beautiful people from all over the world. And they were all having a great time. And it seemed to be the weather as well which is something that really bugs me, the weather in the east of Ireland is a lot better than in the west, a lot better, now I don't know what the story is with this global warming, but someone needs to get on the phone to Greta Thunberg, because the weather, the summer this time in Mayo, it's not been amazing, now today's a lovely day, thank God, but, anyways, I'm not going to keep out about the weather, um, Dublin was great crack. It was very good crack. There was great energy about the place. There was a few strange situations, like uh, I was—I went into Centra to get myself a roll, and um, as I was in there, there was a few different people not wearing masks, and those people who wear masks and scarves and everything. and They were almost like looking at each other, going, "Go on, say something." So there was a small bit of tension in the air. But apart from that, people were having a nice time. Temple Bar was absolutely booming. But the new thing now. And it's a lot of pressure on waiters and waitresses. Is that they have to come to the table now to give you service. So in some ways, it's actually better for the person that's consuming. Because they just get their seat. And then you can sit down there in that seat for the rest of your night, looking at people. And only getting up to go to the bathroom. That was the weird thing. You have to walk inside the pub, up the stairs, into kind of like another room. And then you go to the bathroom. So in that way, people, they're all sitting outside and then they had their masks off because they were having pints or they were having food. It was mostly pints. Mostly pints of Guinness. That was the main uh, drink that people were scoffing down. But it was exciting. It was exciting to be there. You could hear different languages going on. People were all having the crack. A lot of people on those mini scooters as well. But again, the strange thing was that like, you, you go down to your table, you sit down there. Somebody comes over. What would you like? And you're like, thinking, well i don't want to keep making you have to go in and out so i said can i get two guinness and then a friend of mine came along and he goes oh, i'll have that one guinness if you don't mind and i get the next one so i said sound but even still the person that was serving us had to keep coming out every time and that's what everyone was doing so big shout out to the people on the tables because that's a that's a lot of work i would it would be interesting to see if they had a fitbit on how many miles they're putting into the clock Um, but anyways, I had a great time, and I was watching the football anyways the following night with a load of people from Ireland, and they were going nuts. They were going absolutely nuts when Italy won. I've never seen lads to celebrate that much as this particular group of lads. They were loving it. In fact, one of them was wearing an Italian jersey, and the next day we met this Italian fella in town. We were just sitting outside someone's house, and this Italian fella walked past. I don't even know if he's Italian, but he just goes, ciao, and he looked like an Italian, I like, looked like Perlo, the footballer. And he was there with his child. They were both wearing like nice suits. They were dressed like in Italian uh handmade suits it looked like, both matching father and son. And this guy goes, Ciao. And someone said ciao, and then he just kept walking. And he started talking. I think it was Italian to his son, but I wasn't sure. But I was like, that's weird. You know, this guy's walking around town now. And then I suppose it kind of made sense to me. Because I started seeing a lot of Italian people around town. And that's what winning the European Championships means to people. It means, it brings excitement to your soul. as a collective happiness. And that's why I want Mayo to win the Sam Maguire this year. It's been tough for the Mayo people. G A, because we've got such great players, you know. The best in Ireland, ever. And the best in the world, in fact. But we just cannot win it. And someone said to me this, and this, I hope, is... Um, some uh, maybe something that the English can take. We haven't won Sam McGuire in the Gaelic football since nineteen fifty one, a long time ago. I was never born. But yet, someone said to me, you "Don't you don't want to win it?" Because I tell you why, that means the party's over. And once we do win it, which is going to be this year, people are going to be like, "This is brilliant! Yes, great! Everyone's going to be Mayo having a fucking great time. The county's going to go on fire." You'll see priests on the street, kissing people. People will be having babies. There'll be a massive boom in Mayo. But then the following year they'll be like, "Oh yeah, Mayo won it again." The following year, "Oh yeah, Mayo won it again." Boring. So that's why we're waiting until the prime moment to win it. Um, but the pace of life, though, I will say in Dublin is a different speed as well, and the evolution of the deli. This is something I really want to talk about. The evolution of the deli. Sintra, um, Landis, who else? I forget who else. But there loads of delis around Dublin. And they were so modern and so cool and so much stuff going on in there. So many colours. And I was like, wow, this, this is like a huge booming industry. And that's something to be proud of. The deli is in a boom at the moment. You go into any deli counter, you see all the host of beautiful food. You get up there and you've just got whatever choice you want. Go for it. Take your time. And everyone is enjoying it. Everyone. I was talking to a French lad and he was eating some deli food. I was talking to an Indian lad and he was eating some deli food. I was talking to a Chinese lady. She was eating some deli food. And I was talking to two Irish lads and they were at the deli. And they were ordering jambons. And I thought, this is brilliant because the delis bringing everyone together. And... uh You know, there's a lot to be said for that, a lot to be said for it. Now, we're going to move on a small bit. Um, I also wanted to tell a story about, um, there's basically a shoe shop up the road from me. I went to visit my friend there today, and he lives in the the town next to me. And I went up anyways, and uh, when I was driving through the town, it gave me a lot of memories of my uh, my previous life, no, this life, in a previous time gone by, when I was in secondary school. And I went to Swinford Secondary School, but there was a period there in the middle where my mother said to me, you're going to have to move school now because you're, you're not listening and you're causing too much trouble and you're not concentrating. And I was like, huh? So then she said, right, I'm going to move you. And she moved me to uh, a different school. And then I had to hit the main streets of Keljumar. But as I was driving through the town, I was getting flashbacks from days gone by and there was one place in particular in the town. Now, I, won't, I won't give the name of the place, but basically for my communion, when I was about six or seven, I went in there to get myself a pair of shoes. And when I went in there with my mother, he looked at me, right? And this, this guy is just pure charisma. He was sort of like dressed a bit like Michael Flatley. If you can imagine a shop, a shoe shop that Michael Flatley works in. This guy had the shirt unbuttoned. He had a hairy chest. He had this stance that just oozed persona. He had lovely shoes himself. He had great posture. He had the shirt tucked in. He had the hair slicked back. He was wearing one earring and he was smoking a fag. And this guy was just the coolest dude in town. And as well as that, we went in there and he was spinning his shoe in his hand like an old shoe juggler. And the place smelled like Lynx. It was beautiful. And we walked in there, except my mother. And I said, I'll do the talking to the two of them. And I was only six at the time. This is around my communion. I wanted a nice pair of shoes for the communion. I had already been indoctrinated into the world of fashion. And uh, I said to him, do you have any Reebok? Because I'd seen this pair of Reeboks that I wanted to wear for years and years. And these they were like a black pair of Reebok with a little Reebok sign on the side. A little small tick. You know that Reebok sort of tick that you see on the side. And this was around the time as well that there was no one in America wearing Reebok. It was only really Ryan Giggs. I think he was the only person in the world that was wearing Reebok at the time. And I wanted to copy Ryan Giggs. This was before he ended up sleeping with his brother's wife. Anyways, we're not getting into that. So I seen the shoes there on the shelf and he pointed me over to them and he started measuring up my foot. And I said, it's fine, I know what I am. I'm a size six. This was a big foot for a child, by the way. And he didn't believe me. My mother didn't believe me either. And he said, I'll measure your foot. As if... As if to say I'm a, just this fucking liar that's coming into the shop trying to pretend that, what, my, I've got small feet? What are you talking about? I'm a size six. Go in the back there, get me a size six, please. Make this easier for everybody. But him and my mother ganged up on me and said, no, get your foot measured because them shoes you're wearing don't look like they fit you. So anyways, to cut a long story short, he took my, sh- my foot in his hand and thank God that day I was wearing good socks as well. And... He said, your, your shoes are too big for you. You're going to have to get size four. He tried to say three and a half. And I said, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm not wearing a three and a half around town. You're crazy. That's a met up number. You're either a three or a four. And then he started saying, oh, you're probably closer to a three. And I was like, what are you trying to say, mate? Okay, that last bit didn't happen. But he did tell me that I had a smaller foot, which did bother me. And I'd been lying about my foot. Shoe says and my height for a long time. And I shouldn't have been doing it. There was a couple of years where I was only five foot four and I was telling people I was five foot six. And it really it was just to gain the respect. And I think I was doing the same thing. I was overcompensating with my feet as well. I was trying to I was wearing bigger boots. And you'll notice this with a lot of men. They wear bigger shoes around town. Just take a look at someone's feet now next time you're in town. I don't think women do this. But the men, for some reason, we want to look tough. We want to look strong. And so you see a lot of boys ordering shoes that don't fit them. Like when I go into Foot Locker and if I'm standing beside somebody, I'd be like, do you have them in size 12? And everyone turns around and looks at me. And that's, that just gives me confidence to live my life. But you have to be honest with yourself too. So what I do is I try to go into Foot Locker when it's very quiet. When no one's there, and I'm just like, can I get a size 8? size? Do you have tiny, tiny feet? Are you worried that someone might see the size of your toes? Call now on 1-800 feet, 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 and talk to other lads in your area who have also tiny feet. Yes, that's right folks, there's plenty of lads in your area who also have tiny toes. Call now 1-800-tiny-toes, tiny toes, tiny toes, and speak to boys in your area equally tiny feet. Well, folks, just to do something different at the end of this podcast, I thought, why not find out what the top words are that's typed into Google globally? What words do we search for the most? And it says a lot about us. And sometimes you can really notice patterns in your own behavior. If you just go on to uh, the history on your computer, go through all the things that you've looked at the last few days and ask yourself, what kind of person are you? And I've gone back over my own history and I'm like, really, was that me? Was that me that did that? And, you know, a lot of time wasted. Let's put it like that. Um, But anyways, the top 100 Google, top 100 Google most searched terms globally is very, very interesting indeed. It says a lot about what I believe we already know to be true about this world. That there's a collection of small companies that are trying to do us. Or maybe not, I don't know. I'm not going to go down the conspiracy path. Anyways, but let's start off with number five. Number five is Gmail. 475.3 million searches per month on Google. That's fair enough. Google Mail, Gmail, it's all the same. WhatsApp Web, number four, 543 million. It's owned by Zuckerberg and the boys. WhatsApp, we all use it now all the time. I don't think they use it as much in places like America. I know there's another one that's came in. It's called Telegram. That seems to be something that people are going towards as well. But for the moment, there's everybody on WhatsApp. It's handy. You can use it anywhere you want to go. Voice messages, emojis, let people know how you're feeling every second of the day. Number three on the list is Google. We all go on to Google. Now, the other day on my computer, it for some reason, I must have pressed the wrong button, and it started giving me my search engine as Yoohoo or Yahoo, whatever you call it. And um, I didn't like that at all. At the beginning, I was like, what is, what is this? I don't understand it. It's giving me all this bullshit. I can't read this. This is terrible. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to continue with this for a while because I wanted to take the clicks away from Google. I admit it. I'm sorry. That's what I was trying to do. But it turns out Yahoo's crap. And I went back to Google. And Google seems to be the best. Number two on the list is Facebook, one point two billion search volumes per month. That's crazy. That's serious bank for Zuckerberg. This is on top of WhatsApp. So between the two of them, he nearly has two billion clicks or word searches, I should say, a month. Which is, you know, you know yourself, that's fucking big bucks by. You'd wonder who pays Zuckerberg though. Like who's which companies are getting involved with Facebook and saying, listen Get me on the phone to Zuckerberg. He's a bit busy at the moment, sorry. He's kind of out for a walk and he's got things on his plate. Get me on the phone to Zuckerberg. I want to take out an advert on Facebook. He's going to make big money. Zuckerberg lands back out of nowhere. Did someone say money? Sorry, I'm just having a very vague dig at Mark Zuckerberg because I don't really know what's going on. Number one on the list, I think we all know this, YouTube with 1.4 billion search volumes per month. And of course, YouTube is the younger generation's equivalent almost, you could say, of television. Which is why I truly believe that um, the suggestions on YouTube, you got to be very, very careful with them. Because they keep you in the loop of watching stuff all the time. And then you come back the next time, it's like, oh, we have more videos like that. Oh, we have more videos like that. Oh, great, we've got more videos like that. Before you know it, all you're watching is lads in MMA and boxing. Tyson Fury videos. videos um, Dana White. Izzy Dodgy. Joe Rogan. You know, his dodgy past. Just the stupid stuff coming up on my feed. And you get caught in this loop. And Before you know it then. You know, you're getting... Uh, you start to buy that... Um, what's that stuff called again? I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time there in, in the past, long, long time ago. And it was... Sort of like MMA clothing that you'd wear around. I forget the name of it, but you kind of like wear tap-out. It was tap-out clothes. That, that was the name of it. And you see lads walking around town with tap-out on their t-shirt. And they might be wearing a beanie that says tap-out. And they were the original tough dudes. You'd see them like, oh, that lad does MMA. I better stay well clear of that lad. Anyways, sorry about the waffling on there. But it turns out that YouTube is the most searched thing in the world. And it's so addictive. Jesus Christ, it's hard to stay off YouTube. It's very hard to stay away from it. Every night. Every night you'll be watching stuff on there. I get into a habit once of just falling asleep to Joe Rogan's voice. Like, seriously. This is the honest truth. I couldn't sleep without hearing Joe Rogan's voice. I wouldn't go to bed. I'd throw tantrums. I was like, where's my fucking Joe Rogan? Don't come in here when I'm in this room. I want to listen to Joe Rogan. I'd have to have him on. And uh, I couldn't sleep without him. And it was, you know, you'd hear things during the night. You'd be like, is Joe still talking? Could be three or four o'clock in the morning. And he'd be on to the next guest and the next guest. And you'd wake up in the morning you'd be like, wow, I've learned so much and I've been asleep. And that's a credit to Joe. Credit to Joe Rogan. Now, before I go, I just want to thank everybody for supporting this podcast on Patreon and everywhere else. Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks very much for uh, listening to this and I really do appreciate it. So thanks for all the support. And to Golden Big Jamons for their support your lovely delicious jambons continue to rock my world. Deli fresh taste from your own freezer. Very tasty.